0: Going on, everybody. On today's episode of the No Huddle Show with Elliot Shore Parks and Zach Rosenblatt, the NFL Draft is over, and the Eagles—they have five new players on the roster plus a bunch of UDFAs, undrafted guys that, as the Eagles saw last year, could still make a ro- could still make an impact on the roster. But we're going to go over those five new players, talk about what we like about the pick, what we don't like about the pick. I officially make my claim as one of them being my guys. So we have some good debate about that. Um, and I have explained why I think Howie Roseman is just living his best life right now. I mean, the guy is just unstoppable after years of people hating on him, including me. So we talk about that. But then also Darren Sproles is back, uh, how he announced that. What does Sproles coming back mean for this roster? Is it bad news for Donnell Pumphrey? Um, How many running backs are they going to take on the roster? And and, uh, me and Zach have a debate about how much Sproles will play. So lots of good stuff on today's pod. And if you're just uh, listening on YouTube, we really appreciate it. But go leave that review and go subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Spreaker. So you can get us everywhere. You listen to your podcast apps and then go leave a review when you do. When you do, we will read your question on the next episode of the podcast and talk about it. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode of the No Huddle Show. What's going on, everyone? No Huddle Show here. Elliot Shore Parks here with Zach Rosenblatt. And Zach, the NFL draft is over. The Eagles ended up making five picks. I don't know if I would call it an exciting draft. I mean, they did wheel and deal a little bit. They started the weekend off with six picks, ended up with five. So what'd you think overall, just initial reaction uh, to, to the draft now that it's in the books?
1: It's It's hard to... To, to be too negative about the way the Eagles went. I mean, I the, the only negative really is that they only had five picks, but I mean, that, that was kind of by virtue of all the trades they've made in the last couple of years and signing Darren Sproles on the day of the draft was felt like kind of a draft day addition. Uh, but yeah, I think it was a solid draft. They filled some of their depth related needs and, and a couple of guys that down the line could be really good players and they don't necessarily need to contribute right away. So I, I think I, on my uh draft grades, I think I gave them like a B plus just because, you know, they, they didn't necessarily get anybody that's going to come in and, and become like amazing right away or anything like that. Uh, but they it was a solid draft, a solid good draft. I thought it was
0: interesting between like their decisions early on and their decisions late. Um, I liked the decision to trade back from 32 to 52. I thought it was the right call. Obviously, they ended up trading up a little bit to get uh, to get Goddard. But uh, getting that 2019 second round pick from the Ravens, I think, was a pretty good haul for dropping down 30 spots. Especially when I mean we're sitting there watching the draft. And when 52 is coming up, there's, you know, five, six guys that they could have taken that if they would have taken them at 32, we probably would have, you know, been recording this pod saying we thought that was a good pick. So a lot of the guys Eagles were linked to ended up dropping. Um, And that makes sense because they're picking 32 overall. It's always hard to tell who's going to be there. But um, getting that second round pick next year. I mean, if you look at the Eagles roster for 2018, there's really not a lot of holes and there's not a lot of... uh, Spots where you say, okay, a rookie can really come in and contribute right away at this spot. And I think though, in a year from now, when we're recording this podcast and we're talking about 2019, we'll be sitting here saying they need a pass rusher, they need a cornerback, they need all these different things. They might even need a backup quarterback. So if you look at now, they're projected to have three picks in the first two rounds next year, and they have 10 picks overall in 2019. So I think adding that second round pick to drop back was a really good move by Howie, and I think it kind of. Laid out the framework of what I, I mean, especially also when you consider he kept Michael Kendricks, I think he laid out the framework for his plan, which is 2018. They're all in again, trying to repeat 2019 is when you might see them start to be, to do a little more of a youth movement, a little more, uh, you know, get some young guys in there.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, and I think he made it pretty clear based on his, you know, looking towards next year that he, he maybe likes next year's draft class, at least in terms of what the Eagles need than he did this year. Because, you know, we, we kind of assumed they were going to you know, draft certain players at certain positions and they were on the board multiple occasions and the Eagles passed on them. So I, I think that says a lot about kind of how the Eagles viewed this draft class in terms of what their future needs are. I think they, they're pretty comfortable with, you know, looking towards next year as opposed to going all out and trading up for guys that were falling this year.
0: Yeah, not, but that's why I think it's a little interesting because the Goddard pick, and we're going to get into each pick one by one, but the Goddard pick to me was an extremely safe pick. Like, he's going to come in. He's not going to have a huge role. He's not going to be expected to do a ton, but what he is asked to do, I think he'll do very well. Um, I mean, he's going to be, like, what, the sixth option on offense? Uh, he's going to be the backup tight end. I know he's listed as a tight end, but if you just view it as an offensive weapon, they really just added another guy to the offense for Doug to game plan around, and I think he'll end up having a very good year. I mean you know you're just kind of getting to learn more and more about the guy um but you watch more tape of him you talk to more people this guy has great hands great size uh we met him once seems like a good dude so I think that was a safe pick but then at the end is where they took they took more of their chances and before we get into the one the pick by pick I just had to say one thing about Howie and I know you're just kind of just starting to get to know him since you're new on the beat but just watching this guy over the weekend like he is really living his best life right now, like how he <laughs> how he is at the top of his game. I mean, he you think of where he was two years ago, obviously, and we've spoken about it at length, about him being demoted and all that. But here he is just wheeling and dealing during the NFL draft. He comes to the podium like he's making jokes. He's smiling. I mean, he just like is doing what he's going to do. He doesn't really care about public perception as much anymore. And he's just I mean, he's got the Super Bowl champion team. He's a GM of them. Uh, he's loaded with picks next year. His roster's loaded this year. He's got two quarterbacks. He might have the two best quarterbacks in the division. And to me, it's just so crazy to look at where he is now versus where he was three years ago before the demotion where, you know, people were writing articles about how nobody wanted to work with him, about how I, mean, I, I ripped him up and down. And now he's just, like, not gloating because – but he's just literally living his best life for everybody to see. And it's just amazing to think of how far he's come. And for some reason, watching him up there I'm with Joe Douglas on his left, uh, Doug Peterson on his right, just kind of like controlling the crowd, controlling everything. I really thought it
1: really showed this weekend how far he's come as a general manager. Yeah, and I think it, there was a little bit of like him kind of being like, yeah, you know, every every every. A lot of people doubted me that I could pull this off, but I pulled off the Super Bowl, and now you know everybody's just gonna believe what I'm doing now. So I, yeah, I, he, he definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and and I know I, I never really have covered him before, but. I, I even t- said to you at one point, I'm like, he, he was kind of, he was really sassy. Like he was, yeah. you know, firing back at people when they're asking questions, you know, taking it like almost Greg Popovich-esque when he was taking things literally and things like that. It was, it, he's he's carrying himself with an air of confidence that I'm, I'm not sure many general managers have right now. And he makes,
0: he makes some pretty corny jokes. Not going <laughs> to lie. Like that is one Bad thing about him. him. He, that is a signature how he moved. Like you can tell when he's up at the podium and the person's still asking the questions. You can see a look on his face like, all right. He already has made up his mind. He's going to make a joke. And sometimes you'll even forget the question because he's just so got that joke made up. So it's just interesting to watch, you know, see what, uh, see how much he's changed over the past three or four years. And you can't say anything about him now. I mean, you know, like he'll make moves that I'll question everything, but the guy is just living his best life. So, all right, let's get into the actual draft picks. Um, we're gonna kind of present each argument for for whether it was a good pick or a bad pick. So I, I fall in between, you know, good and bad for each pick. But um, you know, you're gonna go anti on some. I'm gonna go pro on others. So we can kind devil's of devil's advocate of sorts. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, so we can just give the full look at the draft pick. So let's start with the first one. Or I guess we touched on it a little bit, but let's start with the decision to trade back.
1: Um, did you did you like that that uh, that decision to do that? Yeah, absolutely. I think in part because they could have drafted goddard at uh it's pronounced goddard right we have we decided goddard. That. Yeah, goddard. yeah yeah so they they could have drafted at goddard at 32 and everybody would have been happy with that i think he i think a lot of people had him ranked the number one tight end probably between him and hayden Hurst, who was picked in the first round and so they they were able to get a guy that could have gotten the first round traded back got a 2019 mm-hmm. uh second rounder and they moved up in the fourth round a little bit and were able to get a guy we'll talk about later uh yeah i, I think i it it's Because of that 2019 second round pick, a lot of times these tradebacks are just a second and a fourth, which would have been okay. But I don't, I don't know if that's as exciting as getting a, a, a day two pick in 2019 when, when they're going to need to fill a lot of holes, I think, based on who they are, who they're losing in free agency, potentially. So, so speaking of the pronunciation of Goddard, um,
0: I do read the Stitcher comments, or at least sometimes the per, Andrew, who produces the show, does. And I saw someone saying that we were mispronouncing Halapuli Vili Vitae. And so I, I looked it up and it is, I'm looking at the pronunciation right now,
1: Halapuli VT Vitae. So I'm pretty wow. sure we've been
0: saying see it that, right.
1: That, see, that's why I just avoided it altogether because I don't right. want to risk it.
0: <laughs> and I was kind of saying it quickly to like make fun of Matt because of how he used to do it. But to the, Stitcher, to the person on Stitcher that commented, I've double checked. I'm pretty sure I'm right. If I'm wrong email me i'll double check with the eagles but pretty sure it is Halapuli vt vi Veli Vili Vitae. so all right on to that though the goddard pick now that the now the actual pick here would be my only beef with the pick um as i mentioned it i think it's a bit of a luxury pick like this is a guy that's going to come in he's going to be the backup tight end he's going to be behind at least Ertz, alshon aguilar the running game and maybe Mike Wallace, maybe not, but that's at least four people, if not five dimensions of the parts of the offense that he's going to be behind. So you're using your first pick, even though it's a second round, you're using your first pick on a guy that doesn't really fill a need. I mean, I know they lost Trey Burton and they lost Brent Selek, but I-, I think that when you were going to, if you're going to take a tight end, I think taking it one that could block I know that's not like the sexiest thing in the world but Brent Selleck played a big role in this offense last season blocking so Goddard is a big physical guy I think he's he projects to be a little bit of a better blocker coming out of college and Ertz than Ertz was um and we'll see you know how they can kind of coach him up they've coached up Ertz but to me I mean if if Goddard had 30 catches next year that might be you know a good year for him and the Eagles don't have a ton of needs but you know we talk leading up to the draft they need a backup safety uh, maybe a linebacker, an offensive tackle, like Goddard to me is always going to be the backup turds. Um, so that was my only kind of beef with the pick. I mean, they clearly took the best player on their board. I don't think they took a guy that they, well, they traded they, up for him. Yeah. Well, yeah. So well, they'll they trade it up yeah. once they were in the second round. They right. They traded up from the second. They traded up from 52 to 49. Right. Yeah. But I, I just think that when you look at it, uh, I mean, I'm pretty, wasn't Justin Reed still on the board? Yeah,
1: he was. He was picked, like, uh, late 50s, I think.
0: All right, so he was still on the board. Connor Williams went the pick after. Those would have been two guys that, to play devil's advocate, I think would have... You could have said, all right, in 2019, these players are going to be starting. And I know I just said you should look at Goddard as an offensive weapon and not a tight end, but he still has, like, one of the four best players on the team, and in my opinion, the best tight end in the NFL, ahead of him on the depth chart.
1: Yeah, so... I, I get everything you're saying, but I I, I view this as a, a win, even a b- b- beyond the Eagles for Carson Wentz. I think he just has. Now he's options all over the field. He has two tight ends he can throw to in the middle of the field. He has Mike Wallace going deep. They didn't really have that level of deep threat last year. Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson are coming back. And and Darren Sproles out of the backfield. I just think he has so many options in the passing game now. And, and he already is kind of so unpredictable for the defense that I, even if Goddard only gets 30 catches this year, the fact that they have another threat at the middle of the field, I, I think that's a major win. And beyond that, uh, Zach Ertz hasn't played a full season since 2014 or thirteen, So... I mean, just the fact that Goddard might have to start a game or two this year, I, I think that is huge because I think he's an upgrade from Richard Rodgers. While, I, you know, obviously I, you talked about the blocking. I think they're going to miss Brent Celek's blocking and they pretty clearly aren't going to add any more tight ends. So I think that's going to be something to watch. But, yeah, I think I think this is a win. He's a very talented player who can play a big role if he needs to, I think, pretty quickly.
0: Um, And one thing Doug Peterson said when, you know, the Eagles released a video of them calling calling Goddard and telling him that – uh. You know, he's a member of the Eagles, and Doug said, you know, our, our red zone just got a lot better. Um, So I guess my question is, what do you think realistic expectations for him are? And I'll be really interested to see how Goddard, like, I don't think it's going to be an issue with Ertz. Um, you know, Ertz has talked about wanting to mentor a young tight end, like selected did to him, and Ertz is a good guy and all those things. But I mean, one thing that kind of took Ertz his first four years from being just like a viewed as a really good tight end to last year being viewed as an elite tight end was his red zone touches was his touchdowns and it'll just be interesting to see like if they're really planning on using Goddard a ton in the red zone how that's going to impact Ertz and how he handles that I don't think there's any reason to think he'll handle it poorly but this is I mean they just used their first pick on his position so it'll just be you know he said he wanted to be a mentor now we'll see it so it'll be interesting how he handles that
1: yeah so I mean, I, I just pulled up Trey Burton's stats. He had 23 catches for 248 yards and five touchdowns last year, which is a lot of touchdowns. And I think if Goddard's around, I think you're happy if Goddard ends up with five touchdowns, even if the yards aren't there. I, and if he, yeah. if they view him as a red zone threat, I feel like that might be somewhere in line with where his stats are this year.
0: Yeah, I think I think if he had those amount of, if he had, if those were his catches and his stats for Nick year, I think that'd be good. The question is, and back to kind of my point about why there might be some skepticism about the pick, at what point does he get a chance to, get you know 60 more yeah right so it'll be interesting to see uh, how that works so let's get to the the second round or the sorry their second pick but <laughs> was a fourth round pick josh sweat the defensive end out of florida state i'm happy that i get to present the positive argument for this one because i love this pick i think he could end up being one of the steals of the draft regardless of team i mean you look at what this guy did and i've so the main concern with him is the knee and i'm sure you'll talk about that but the guy hasn't been hurt for three and a half years. He missed one game in college and the other game he didn't play and he just sat out because it was a bowl game. But he he's only ever had to miss one game because of because of injury. But just in terms of his actual size and his athleticism, I mean, this guy is an absolute freak. I mean, he might be the best athlete in the draft at the defensive end position. Six five, two hundred and fifty pounds. I think his wing wingspan is something like eighty-two inches. I mean, he he, you know, he's then he's got the stats to back it up. Twelve and a half sacks over the last two years. And I think this is where you see the Eagles look ahead, because Chris Long, Brandon Graham, Michael Bennett, it's possible that none of them are back in 2019 for each for separate reasons. But it's possible none of them are back. This guy is a player that you get in your building. You have Chris Wilson coach him up for a year. And then in 2019, I think you could really see him uh, really see him start to. To contribute, and one thing Joe Douglas said about Josh Sweat that I really liked was he talked about how he has a really explosive first step and his ability to kind of bend, and that's something they really liked about Derek Barnett. So I think in the fourth round, that's where you start to take chances on guys. Obviously, the health is a bit of a concern, but but I do think that this this was without question my favorite pick of the draft.
1: Yeah, since I have to play devil's advocate, uh, I mean the obvious downside to the pick is just the the medicals. I mean, he, he he was teams were concerned enough with his knee that a guy that in theory is a first or second round talent fell all the way to the fourth round. And he might've kept falling a little bit after that, if the Eagles didn't pick him. So I, I think that that clearly is risky enough that most teams, actually every team in the league was willing to, to overlook him. And, uh, you know, the Eagles are are capable of taking on that risk because of how deep they are at defensive end right now. But, you know, next year, if they lose Brandon Graham, if they decide to move on from Michael Bennett, all of a sudden they're going to be relying on him to take on a pretty huge role. So I think just the risk of it is is the the only negative I can say about this pick, because otherwise he obviously is a guy that they got pretty good value on. All right, mark it down that you are
0: anti-Joshua. <laughs> hey. So throughout the year, we will definitely mark that down. Oh, but okay. I will say, I this going to happen. I will say the one thing with Joshua is he kind of seems primed to be like the Donnell Pumphrey IR candidate of the year because he's not going to have a ton of I, like unless he comes into training camp and really kills it. I mean, even if he does, he's probably not going to be ahead of Barnett, Graham, Long, or Bennett in terms of snaps. Like it's or Stephen Means. Well, so that's the thing. So, Stephen Means, so I was putting together my 53 man roster, and Stephen Means is a guy that you, I mean, the fans have basically never seen play. But to me, like last year when I was, when they were leading up to the Super Bowl, I asked each player on the team, like, who's one person you want to thank? And everyone said, like, my mom, my dad, my coach. Lane Johnson said, Stephen Means for helping him get better every day in practice. So, wow. coaches absolutely love Stephen Means, the players love him. So, Like, I just think it's going to be very tough to cut him. So I guess what I'm saying is in training camp, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, first of all, he's got the medical history. So maybe he wouldn't want to do it in that regard just because he wouldn't want that stigma around him. But no one in the NFL is going to question if you sit this guy down with an injury. So um, I think he could potentially be your like doesn't isn't even on the 53 man roster. He's on IR for all of 2018. And in 2019, he really steps it up. Sorry, um, you're saying you think Donald Pumphrey steps it up this year? No, <laughs> no, no, yeah. No. Uh, I mean, you know, who knows with him? We can talk about yeah. him when we talk about this. Yeah, yeah.
1: Guys, but, we can talk uh, about him later, yeah.
0: But, yeah, no, I think I think there's a possibility Josh. is that guy, but that has nothing to do with disliking the pick. <laughs> I just think he makes a lot of sense. Um. All right, the next pick, Avante Maddox, uh, cornerback out of Pittsburgh. So why do you like this pick?
1: Or why should Eagles fans like this pick? So he – for a few reasons. Number one, he's he's a very interesting prospect. He's a, he's a he's small, but he he got he had four sacks last year, and he plays up at the line of scrimmage. When we talked to him at the on the conference call, he just talked about like like loving getting up in there. And I know Joe Douglas talked about his toughness and his competitiveness. And I think he's a guy that Eagles fans are really going to like, but beyond that, he kind of fills a need. They, they, I know he doesn't have that much experience in the slot, but I think the Eagles intend to make him a slot cornerback and they lost Patrick Robinson. So they're developing a guy who, even if he's not that guy this year, he's going to, he could be that guy down the line. And as an athlete, he he was one of the one of, if not the best athletes in the draft in terms of cornerbacks. I mean, he had the he had the best 60 yard shuttle at the combine. He was like in the top five in the 40 yard dash, the 20 yard shuttle, the three cone drill. And they just brought in an athlete. And I I think you can do no wrong if you bring in athletes and just try and figure out where you're going to put them afterwards. Yeah. So
0: this is I'm supposed to present the day why there should be concerns. And I'm happy again. I get to do this because this is my least favorite pick of the draft, and it's really for two main reasons. So, one, I know he's extremely athletic. Um, I, I was reading a uh, this website, uh, three sigma dot com, and they talk about you know uh, they basically have a formula to figure out who the most athletic players at the cer- at certain positions are in the draft. So, among all the cornerbacks in the draft, and they charted. Wow, this is go back really far. They charted 165. Avante Maddox was the seventh most athletic cornerback in the draft. So obviously he's a good athlete. Here's my two concerns. One, he's only 5'9 and a half. And as a guy that is 5'9 and a half, I can tell you <laughs> that although I am tall in regular life, and yes, I do call myself tall, when I step in that NFL locker room, like, these players dwarf me. So 5'9 and a half to me, is a bit of a concern. I understand that, you know two inches, you know, if the guy's five five eleven that we look at it differently. Yeah, it is only two inches. But there's a reason that he fell this far and it's his height. And I do think that's a concern. Especially with some of the you know, receivers are just getting taller. I mean, if you're you're gonna play him on the outside, like he's gonna be the shorter guy every single week. And so to your point, yes, they want to make him the nickel corner, but he didn't play nickel corner at Pittsburgh. I know how he Howie and Joe got up to the podium and said he played time at both, but to Pro Football Focus, who watched every one of his snaps, he was only in inside corner 40 snaps over two years. And that's basically no snaps when you consider the guys playing, you know, I would imagine 50, 55, 60 snaps a week uh, over two years. So he spent a very small amount of his time at nickel corner. And, you know, I just think that you're basically now asking an undersized guy to come in and play a role that – he was not, he has not played before. So, you know, you look at the depth at the position again, like with Josh sweat, I'm okay with taking a guy in the fourth round. That's not going to play because he has the athletic tools and the the potential to really turn into something one day to me, Maddox is undersized and you're going to, Train for role he hasn't played in so those are my worries about the pick I don't think they needed to take a cornerback that was going to play right away but you know Rasul Douglas is tall Ronald Darby's a bit undersized but you know they have physical corners already you have Sidney Jones um I do like the fact that Maddox is a hard hitter but overall my concerns with the pick outweigh the things
1: I liked about it yeah uh, I think that all makes sense I, I I just think I don't know if anyone they're going to draft is going to play a big role right away to be fair to that point also True, but, yeah, that's true. I'd just be interested to see, like, if in 2019 he even has a role.
0: So I'm not really sure where he's going to be. I mean, I know Darby's a free agent, but he plays on the outside. So we'll see where they end up put, putting him. All right, the next pick, uh, the offensive tackle out of TCU, Matt Pryor. So I'm pro for this one. Um, I will say that the one thing you got to like about Pryor is the dude is humongous. I mean, he's not, you know— the, the Australian rugby player, humongous, but he's a big <laughs> dude, one of the biggest tackles in the draft. Um, and, you know, when they drafted, yes, Halapuli Vili Vitae out of CCU, <laughs> I thought that he was going to be a bust just because he wasn't very athletic. And when you look at, you know, every single player in this Eagles draft has been one of the best players at his position athletically. Um, prior is not. But Vitae wasn't either, and they've turned him into an extremely serviceable serviceable backup, if not an extremely serviceable starter. I mean, he did start on their Super Bowl run. So they have experience bringing in these guys that are big, lanky, not that athletic, and turning them into to, to serviceable players. So I think Pryor has practice squad written all over him. Um, when you look at their offensive tackle position, obviously you have Peters and Lane Johnson who are going to be your starters, and then you have Vitae, so you're really set there going to probably be prior versus taylor hart which is unreal for me to say considering taylor hart is still around but it's <laughs> going to be them two for the final tackle spot and then maybe maybe the uh, the rugby player but um i i think that's why you like to pick you know you trust outland you get a guy in here that's big uh not overly athletic but just big tall huge human being and you just see what what us can do with him.
1: yeah so if I, so taking the negative side of this uh number one he he's just really bad athlete at least based on his testing scores I mean he, he he ran a 5.6 40 yard dash at his pro day which is really not good I know you don't need an offensive lineman to be like a barn burner or anything but he mm-hmm. you know the athleticism is not there I know the sizes and I know they love his size and uh, he played at TCU where he had a pretty good career but uh, he based on all his scouting reports and reading up on him he's not a guy who can play left tackle and mm-hmm. uh, you know that that means they didn't draft a guy to develop to replace Jason Peters eventually. I know if they like Vitae, he could be the guy, I guess. But I, I think he's been pretty inc- inconsistent in the times he started, and I think they like him better as a kind of swing backup. So I, the, the the main criticism I have is they, is they draft a guy in prior when maybe if they drafted offensive lineman earlier, they could have had a guy yeah. that was ready to replace Jason Peters next year. But, I mean, I, I like their other picks in the fourth round, so I get it. But I, I, my main criticism, I, I just think they could have done better with offensive linemen. And,
0: and that's the weird thing is – Leading up to the draft, I kept saying, okay, the Eagles believe in quarterback, defensive line, offensive line. Those are the three positions they believe in the most, but they haven't really invested a ton of draft capital into the offensive line. I mean, their last two picks in this year's draft were offensive linemen. Last year, they it was defensive line, and I, I'm trying to remember the highest offensive lineman they took last year, if they even drafted any in
1: 2017. Yeah, I, I don't think they did, actually.
0: But, so, I mean, they haven't really invested a ton, so, you know... Like you said, I mean, I don't think they would move lane over to left tackle. I think that those, he's so good at
1: right. Yeah. he's So
0: good at right. And when he's played left, he's struggled. Now, granny's only played it a few times. So with more experience, maybe he would improve, but he's probably, he's definitely the best right tackle in the league, if not the best tackle period. So I don't see why you would move him. but all right. So let's talk about, um, the last pick of the draft, a guy that they traded a pick to move up and get. (laughs) Um, so clearly they have a ton of interest in him. Uh, Jordan and now you pronounce it because I don't want these people to get all over me. Again. I think Jordan. it's I think it's Mylata, Mylata, Jordan Mylata. All right. So my my favorite stat about him before I get into ripping the pick a little. <laughs> my favorite stat about him is I saw he's like three hundred and fifty pounds, and of that, like something like three hundred pounds of it is just simply muscle and bone. So the insane. guy is insane, an absolute monster. Um. So. I got asked to do an interview in Australia this morning to talk about it, and they called him they called him a mountain. So, I mean, they are very pumped about him over in Australia. The Eagles seem to be super pumped about him. But here's my concerns with the pick. He's literally never played football. And when you're talking about a football draft, that's not an ideal quality to have in a guy you take. Uh, you gave up a pick to get him. And I understand in the last round is where you take chances on guys. But again, You know, this offensive line is not a group that they've invested a lot of draft capital in. And for, you know, everyone was saying coming into this draft, all right, offensive line, they got to address it. They end up taking two guys that probably aren't going to play next year. um, Two guys that they use their last two picks on in the sixth and seventh round. Um, Maybe this guy turns into a player, but how often do you actually see things like that happen? I mean, you know, people every year, I mean, the Eagles brought in um, Zaruba last year. Uh, who they tried him out at tight end and, you know, he didn't even make the the practice squad and he, he's back again this year, but we'll see what happens with him. So that's my main concern is at a position that's so important offensive tackle. I mean, the second most important position on the field, the Eagles used two picks on a guy that's never played the game.
1: Yeah. You know, I thought it, w- it was funny, you know, they, they traded up and we all kind of assumed they were going to get one of the running backs that kept falling. I think like Bo Scarborough and like Akron wildly were still on the board. And then they picked a guy that, I'd only heard of because the Eagles were attended uh, his workout uh, during the pre-draft process, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned you know the seventh round is kind of where you take these risks. The, the Eagles got Jalen Mills in the seventh round a couple years ago, and he's their maybe their number one corner right now. And uh, you know, my, I know obviously, lotta hasn't played a snap, and the odds of him actually making the roster are I. I would say are probably pretty slim. He's a good bet for the practice squad, but I mean, he's a freak of nature. I mean, there videos have gone viral of him uh, playing rugby because he's this uh, six foot eight, 300 pound dude. Just, trucking dudes in rugby and I I, I I this is just a fun pick i i don't, I don't know if it'll amount to anything and i think they're, they're probably they're more likely to keep one of the undrafted guys they've gotten than, than than him on the offensive line but he's an intriguing athlete and they decided to take a risk and for all we know they might not maybe they even move him to tight end because he, he can move so well so i think he ran like a, a 5.1 40 yard dash which is really good for a 350 pound dude yeah uh so yeah, I mean, I think it's low risk, high reward kind of thing. If it doesn't work out, you move on and kind of just hope for the best uh, on the practice squad with him. And here's the thing about
0: the 5.140. Like, people hear that and they think, "Oh, well, running backs
1: run like you know, four two, yeah, four yeah. three.
0: So like like, you oh. and I,
1: if we ran a 5.1, we'd be happy.
0: Yeah. So every year when the Eagles hold their open practice, I run the 40 yard dash on the really? uh, on the field. Yeah, I do. So you'll be, you'll be treated to seeing that this year. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure last year. That I ran like a five, five or a five, six, and it might've been a little faster, but it was something like that. And again, like I'm a five, nine, fairly athletic, like basically regular guy. And so for this guy to be six, eight and run that a five, one at that size, like, I don't think people, when you hear it, it doesn't sound that fast, but like that is insanely fast for a man that size. I mean, I'm, Oh, maybe I'll see if he'll race me this year. See if we can <laughs> do a video. He might be into it. But, like, that is insanely fast. So when I was putting together my 53-man roster after the draft, I was debating between uh, him, Pryor, and Hart for the final offensive tackle spot. And although I agree that he, it would be amazing if he was ready to play this year, the thing about him is, though, like, if they cut Hart, no one's picking him up. If they cut Pryor, there's a chance no one picks him up. They cut this guy. Like, he could be picked up by somebody else just because of what a freak athlete he is. So, it wouldn't stun me. I mean, last year, the Eagles had a tackle on their roster that was inactive every week. Some weeks, it was Beedy. Towards the end of the season, it was Hart. Um, so... They are going to have like a guy that they just simply have on because they think he'll get picked up. And I know we're looking, you know, three four months ahead. And guys normally can get through to practice squad. Like the biggest misconception out there is that someone the Eagles fans love is definitely going to get picked up, and he never does. But I do think he d- would have the chance to do it. So I think he has a decent chance to roster spot just because they clearly like him. They invested two draft picks in him, and if they cut him, they might lose him. So that would be what I would say about about his chances. So. Let's get into the UDFA the Eagles have not announced these as of Monday, but a lot of them are basically confirmed by the players. So what's one of the you what's one of the undrafted free agents that you really like um, that kind of stood out to you that they signed and rule. You're not allowed to take my guy. So you can go for <laughs> it because, first, but
1: you can't take because my I'm guy. not allowed to take your guy who I'm pretty passionate about already. Right. Anyway. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll focus on Jeremy Reeves. He's a safety from South okay. Alabama. Uh, he's undersized, which I think is why he went undrafted. He's 5'11", 190. But he's a guy they brought in for one of their top 30 visits, which means they, they might have even been interested in taking him in the seventh round. Uh, and they, they, they gave him, uh, you know, a decent guaranteed based on the rumors. I think he got like $30,000. Which uh, is a fair yeah, amount for an undrafted. Yeah. For yeah. undrafted. I think it was like third or fourth out of their undrafted guys. And, you know, just reading his scouting report, he's a guy who's played safety and cornerback. He's hard hitter. He won the Defensive Player of the Year in his conference last year. Uh, Here's like a sentence from his scouting report. It says he's a voracious one supporter who moves pretty fluidly in coverage and offers the ability to play cover two or in the box. Like they they like guys who are flexible and they at safety, they didn't draft a single safety, which I think is, is relevant. And uh, that, that means they they trust in Trey Sullivan and, and they have Chris Moragos on the, on the roster. I don't know if they trust to play him like at safety, I think he's more of a special teams guy. So I think that that leaves a spot for somebody to come in and become, you know, if they don't bring back Corey Graham, become like a Corey Graham-esque, you know, play a little Corey corner play a little safety and they, they've believed in undrafted free agents right away before and I mm-hmm. think Jeremy Reed in addition to the guy you're about to talk about is yeah. a guy that could come in and kind of play for them this year so officially my guy coming up and I'm making the prediction he will make a 53-man roster
0: Josh Adams running back out of Notre Dame a guy that in some of my mock drafts I had him, like, taking him in maybe the fifth round. So the fact he went undrafted, it just, to me, and I know it's an easy comparison to make because of Corey Clement, but when they brought in Corey Clement last year, I said, like, this is just a guy in Clement that knows how to produce. And he continued to do it with the Eagles. Like, I think, I forget, I wish I had the stat in front of me, but I think he has something, like, 28 touchdowns in his last 30 games Clement does so I mean he just knows how to get in the end zone and I see a lot of that in Josh Adams as well a guy that was very productive at Notre Dame and also a guy that fills a need on this Eagles roster um you know the loss of uh he's he's not as big as a LeGarrette Blunt, but he's still pretty big at 6'2", 225 pounds you read his uh scouting reports and he's a one-cut downhill runner a guy that once he gets going, picks up speed, but it doesn't have it initially. That's a lot like Blunt. Uh, last year, I think he broke something like 44 tackles in 13 games, um, average almost five yards after contact at Pittsburgh. And again, productive. Uh, 20 tu- 22 touchdowns in 35 games or 36 games in Pittsburgh. So, I'm sorry, Notre Dame. So he knows how to. Uh, he knows how to, you know, get in the end zone. And I think there's a need for him on the roster because although they did break back there in Sproles, you're looking at Sproles, Clement, and Ajayi are the three guys that are locks. And last year, the Eagles carried five running backs for a portion of the year to keep Clement, and to keep Barner, and the, and the guys they needed as, uh, as kick returners. So I think you could see the Eagles carry four running backs. And so that fourth guy, you're looking at Donnell Pumphrey, Adams and Smallwood and I think Adams has a clear advantage over those two in his attempt to make the roster so he is officially my guy you're not allowed to get on board with him he's just <laughs> mine but I think he's going to make the yeah. roster
1: I would say I actually feel like almost bringing Darren Sproles it almost helps him uh have a better mm-hmm. shot because I think Darren's that Darren Sproles role would have been best case scenario for Donnell Pumphrey and the fact that they brought in Sproles means they, they probably you know they, they've kind of not really talked about Pumphrey to the point that I think they've already moved on from him in a way. Unless he comes in and has a great camp, I think it's going to be between Smallwood, uh, Adams, and and Pumphrey. And I think the unknown with Adams is kind of more intriguing than the guys that you kind of already know what you have with uh, Smallwood and Pumphrey. So I'm with you. I know I'm not allowed to take – I'm not allowed to go all in on him, but I, right. I think he makes the roster too. <laughs> so now they bring back Sproles, how he announces
0: that at the podium, once again, living his best life, just standing up there. Just paranoid. dropping
1: that news right in the middle yeah, of it too. Just
0: just dropping a fan favorite coming back. But uh, I'll say this was Sproles. Like, I don't think they're bringing him back as a feel good story. Um, I think they expect him to be a big part of the offense. Last year when they, they had, uh, you know, all the ringbacks in the roster like blunt and all those guys, Sproles was the starter until he went down. Um, so I tweeted this, but I, I think that there's a good chance you'll see Sproles lead the running backs in snaps and lead the running backs in catches because he's going to probably be their third down back. He, Doug loves to use him in hurry up. And obviously, I know Corey Clement at this point can do that stuff. And I think if I had to pick any running back on the Eagles roster to, to pick, like to have on my team, I would pick Clement. So this isn't anti-other running backs. This is just pro- how much they like Sproles, and how much Doug Peterson loves using him in his offense. So I think Sproles is going to play a much bigger role
1: next year than people expect. I think he's going to play a big role. I don't think he's going to have the most snaps on the roster. I think that's – I don't know if crazy is the right word, but <laughs> I think that's – I, I think Jay The most snaps among the running backs? Yeah, Do think I, don't th- I don't think he's going to. I don't. He's 35 years old. I just don't see that. Uh, I, I, I think he's going to have the most catches, and they're probably going to split it pretty evenly among the three of them. But I still see Jay Ajayi going at the top. I, he's their mm-hmm. best running back. I think he's. I, gonna, I, I know he has knee issues and all that stuff, but I, I just think they're going to give him a, a bigger workload this year. I think they're going to give him a big workload, and I'm not saying Sproles is going to have like 200 more snaps
0: than the other oh, guys. No, I, I,
1: know, I know what you're saying. I, I just, I still just don't think that's going to happen. All right. Well.
0: In week 17, we will look at the snap count and see who was right and who was wrong about that. But no, I mean, look, I think Sproles is going to play a role. How much do you think he's going to be a kick and punt returner? Because that is one thing that they were going to try to address in the draft that I know people talk about Maddox, but he barely did it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think they actually see Maddox as a return. Honestly, he hasn't returned since like his freshman year. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's one of the beyond the pass catching part. I think the returning part is going to be the thing to watch. If, if Sproles is capable of going coming in and doing what he was doing, they need him to because they haven't brought in anybody else. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing they'll probably use like Aguilar at kick return. And there's guys that have like some some experience with it. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think the Sproles, they're coming in with the mindset that he's their number two A to B running back and their number one punt returner. All right, so that's basically everything I had on my list to talk about. Um,
0: you want to give an overall grade for the draft? You have any other any other thoughts on um the draft, or where you uh
1: you get you get all your uh, get everything out? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think I on my uh, grades I did online, I I think I gave them a B plus overall. Uh, mm-hmm. mainly just because you know it, it's a good draft I don't know if it's an amazing draft and it's definitely not a bad draft so it's kind of just like you know apart for the course they got some guys that will help their depth chart but maybe aren't going to be stars in the league necessarily Uh, Josh Wett's a good pick he, he I mean he, he has a lot of potential he, and you know the Mailata pick could be an amazing pick or it can be we forget about him in a year. So I, I think it's very interesting. But I think they're they're thinking more for 2019. And like you said, I think they're going all in this year. And then next year, they'll kind of deal with the kind of the consequences of that, which will be they're not going to be able to afford everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, I gave it an A-. So I think I'm, I feel roughly like you do. I think
0: they took chances on guys late. And then I think the Goddard pick and the second-round pick they got from the Ravens was a good haul for early on, considering only having one pick in the first three rounds. They came out of it with an extra pick. And a very safe pick. So I thought it was very good overall. So, all right, before we wrap this show up, of course, we love the people that leave reviews on our podcast app. We are on all the podcast apps I said at the beginning of the show. And we have one this week from Wakey1971. Awesome podcast is his title. Gleaves at that five star review. And his question is With Doug showing what must have been the whole playbook last year, what does offensive innovation look like this season? And that's a very interesting question, and I think it really ties into the Dallas the Dallas Goddard pick because uh, I think they're going to be able to use Goddard in a ton of different ways. They want to move him around, uh, tight end, split him out wide. Uh, watching some of his tape at South Dakota State, um, he lined up in the backfield. They uh, you know, they had him run the ball some sometimes, so I think that is one way. But, Zach, what do you think? I mean, obviously Doug's going to have some tricks up his sleeves. How do you think this offense could could be different next year? I'm not asking you to diagram the plays, but what are some things you think uh, could be different to kind of once again have that dynamic offense?
1: I just think a big addition is, and I think we've talked about this, I think it's almost underrated at this point, was Mike Wallace. Uh, they didn't have the deep threat last year in Torrey Smith. He didn't become the deep threat that they needed him to be. So I think having Mike Wallace there, I think that's going to open up the offense quite a bit. They're going to be able to throw the ball down the field. And now they're going to have a lot of guys underneath with Darren Sproles, Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz all, all there uh, that they're, I think they can pretty much do anything in any, any given week. I think they have the the best balance of running and passing in the NFL uh, with their stable of running backs and their stable of receivers. And I, I just think Doug's going to be able to, could still kind of be unpredictable just because of he can go in so many different directions. They, they can go West coast. They can do a lot of short passing. They can go deep. They could, you know, run a lot of trick plays. They can go, they can go run heavy. I just mm-hmm. think they're, they've, they based on their talent around the offense, I they just are capable of doing so many different things. And I think their offense is going to be as prolific as it's been in a long time this year.
0: Yeah. And I think that one thing you'll see a little bit more of is I think you'll see more hurry up now that, you know, the quarterback and a lot of players in this roster will be entering their third year in this offense. They're more comfortable that they can run it quicker. Um, Sproles is back. So I do think you'll see a little more of that. But the other thing is, um, you know, he talks about Doug having to adjust. I mean, we could talk about this with all 32 uh, NFL head coaches. Doug particular, though, because. I mean, we saw with Chip Kelly, his first two years, his first year was amazing. Second year, he took a little bit of a dip. Obviously that didn't happen with Doug. He is projecting up as opposed to down the chip, but NFL off NFL defenses do adjust, you know, coaches do adjust. So it is going to be a big challenge for Doug, but that was a really good question from waking 1971. So, we, as as I said at the top of the show, we really appreciate you guys leaving these reviews um, and leaving the questions. We always try to think of things to talk about each week, and that question was something I wouldn't have thought of, but I'm happy that we talked about because I think it's very interesting. So, leave a review on the podcast. Leave those five star reviews. Leave a question. We'll talk about it next week. And Zach, I will talk to you soon. Sounds good.